0: Well, wonderful to see you all here this morning. My name's Anne, I'm the vicar here, and it is uh, so good to welcome you to a warm church out of our Siberian cold. This morning we're looking at God is Good. And two weeks ago, uh, David introduced us to this series, and if you weren't here on that morning, I'd really encourage you to uh, download that talk. Uh, It's available online through our website, Because the series that we're looking at over these four Sundays building up to Holy Week is that we're looking at four truths about God. Four truths that if we really, really believed them, they would change us forever. Now, of course, uh, there are lots of truths about God. Four is not an exhaustive uh, list. Uh, But these four are a very solid foundation. And they give us a different way Of helping us to become more like Jesus, give us a different way of dealing with the things in our lives that trip us up in relationship with God and with other people. Uh, The term that we use for that is sin, the things that we mess up on a particular uh, regular basis. Somewhere down the line, we bought into a lie that God, who is great, who is glorious, who is good, who is gracious, somewhere we bought into a lie that God wouldn't satisfy, that we can't trust God, that God wouldn't care enough for us or provide for us. And at that time, we make a choice that says, you're not enough, God, I must do this for myself. I find this quite a helpful way of uh, viewing sin as that we're buying into a lie. And of course, how then can we get out of that? How can we get into this becoming more like Jesus? And as uh, David shared two weeks ago, that's not about behavior management or even doing things out of great gratitude for what God has done. Of course, that's a good start how do we become more like Jesus is to align ourselves with what we know to be true about God with what our heart believes and so therefore how we act. So we come to who God is, we align our heart, the nature of our belief with who God is and then we act out of response to that. And we see that brilliantly in the life of Jesus so today the bigger and better belief about God that we're looking at is God is good God is good turn to your neighbor and just speak that back to them say God is good Uh, And now put the emphasis on is. Great. And let's go for putting the emphasis on good. There you go. In our prayers, we said the Lord is good. He has compassion on all he has made. In our worship songs, we are singing of God's goodness. Psalm 145 continues The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. God is good. So, how do we get to live in the light of that? God is good, so I don't have to look elsewhere. God is completely good, so I don't have to look elsewhere. Our reading today is Psalm 42. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, do turn to Psalm 42. There are some available in the bookshelf, which is just over there. Psalm 42, reading from verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, Where is your God? I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why, so disturbed within me, put your hope In God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalmist, the person that wrote this psalm, has a rhythm to his life. Going to the house of the Lord under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise with people around him. His focus, his rhythm, was regularly to go to worship, to meet with God, to have that focus on God is good. Something had happened to this person that meant that they were missing that. They had stopped that rhythm. And the effect on that person was this state of being downcast, asking God, where are you to meet my needs? This person, this psalmist, is incredibly wise because he recognises what's going on is a matter for his soul. And he says, I'm so thirsty for you. Like a deer that is panting for streams of water. So, I'm so thirsty for you, God. I'm panting for you. We have been made, we've been created with needs. In the account of creation, it's clear that God created Adam and Eve with needs to eat, to drink water, to have companionship, rest, work. And God weaves right into the fabric of what it means to be humans, that sense of dependence, that physical need. And because God is good, he meets the needs of humanity God gives good things and that's clear in the book of James which describes God as the father giving generously to his children God is good so we don't need to look elsewhere Our soul needs rest. Our body needs intimacy, community. And in Psalm 42, we see this reality of the soul thirsting for the living God. And that's a metaphor throughout scriptures, throughout the Bible. Hunger and thirst, that physical need, all of those things are pointing to God who gives good gifts. But also pointing to the reality of God Himself, that God is good. He meets the needs of our souls by giving us Himself. The very best gift to meet our ultimate need, which is He Himself. And during Holy Week, in those uh, spaces for contemplation and prayer that uh, Chris outlined in the notices, we're going to take time to engage with these God is statements so that we can allow the reality of who God is to go really deep into our lives. The very best gift... That God gave is Himself in His Son Jesus. And even Jesus had those physical needs. Of course, He did. He was fully human as well as fully God. So when we uh, go to a chapter like John 4, uh, we see Jesus sitting down beside a well, and uh, John records that Jesus was thirsty. Now, Kel Dahlman, who was our speaker on our Life Weekend at the end of February, spoke at length and well, well, fantastically, on this passage. So I'd really encourage you to listen to that talk as well from the the Life Weekend. It's available, again, through our website. I simply this morning wanted to focus on this conversation around water, where Jesus, who's thirsty. I mean, we often think, was that just a conversation opener with the Samaritan woman, give us a drink? Uh, no, he really was thirsty. He'd been walking with his disciples, it was midday, it was hot. He had that need. And he says to the woman, give me a drink. And they get into a conversation about water. Water. The Samaritan woman said to him, this is from John 4, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did all his sons and livestock? The Samaritan woman gets right into practicalities. How can you give me living water? You haven't even got a bucket with you to draw water. You can't give me a drink. What are you on, Jesus? Can't do that. And Jesus' reply Jesus' reply encapsulates the more that we meet in God. We have a physical need to drink water, and yet this now is the gift of God to us. Receive this as I read this. Jesus answers, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Jesus doesn't simply make access to God possible. Jesus makes it possible for the presence of God to live in you. A wellspring within you. Following Jesus. Sharing God's goodness with those around you is receiving the goodness of God, the reality of God is good right into your life. And seeing that beyond the need to have a drink of water to the God who creates within you that wellspring of life that bubbles up to eternal life it's an ever flowing stream that, yes, says to us in this life God is good, but also opens up heaven in God's presence through what Jesus has done in the cross. Having something to drink. How about if every time we physically took a drink, we thought and gave thanks to God about the wellspring of life that he's put within us? That reminder, that remembrance that God is good. Later on in the same chapter, uh, the disciples come back to Jesus because they had uh, gone to the village to get some food And they came back, and they were hugely surprised to find him talking to the Samaritan woman. And she heads off back to the village to tell her village, I was going to say, yes, the the people in the village that, uh, I was about to say the village people, yes, that's a last century reference, Uh, um, go back to the people in the village to say, oh, you know, I've just met a man who told me everything I've ever done. Meanwhile, the disciples are getting practical with Jesus and said, you have to have something to eat now. And again, Jesus says this. He said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work that is where jesus got his sustenance from was finishing the work that the good god had given him to do and what was that work well just two chapters later jesus says this john chapter 6 verse 35 Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. When we believe that God is good, that he has given himself to us, the fruit that that produces in our lives is The joy that we have found the ultimate, we've found what we've really looking for. The joy that God is so radically generous with us. He's given himself to us. We are complete in him. There is contentment, there's wholeness, satisfaction. God has given himself to me, to you. And the implication is that we don't have to look elsewhere. How about every time we have something to eat, we use that as a moment to say, God, you are good. I don't have to look anywhere else to find that my appetites are satisfied. I can come to you, the good God. Let's uh, turn back to Psalm 42. The psalmist, the person that wrote the psalm, says how he remembers how he used to go to worship. And it's clear that he'd gone off track. He'd had that regular habit which had stopped And he's aware that his soul is thirsty, like the image of that deer panting for water. And he says, God, I am so thirsty for you. He is incredibly wise as he makes that recommendation. I'm thirsty for you. You see, there's a shortcut to having our needs met. There are many shortcuts. Instead of turning to God, if we're looking for affirmation, uh, we turn to Facebook. Or I hear now, Instagram, WhatsApp, any of those. We're constantly checking our mobiles, aren't we? To see if somebody's been in touch. If we're looking for entertainment, we turn to catch up or box sets. If we're looking for comfort, we eat. Comfort, eat or drink. Or potentially look for inappropriate relationships. There are many things in our lives that distract us from that primary searching out of the presence of God to know his goodness. And he is the one that truly satisfies. Earlier this week I'd had a slightly uh, long day at at work and I uh, went home and uh, watched an episode on catch-up of a TV program. I actually needed to rest. And I needed to rest in God. But what I did was to watch... This episode, and it was quite a scary episode, so it wasn't at all restful. You're all wondering what I was watching, aren't you? Okay, it was Strike, first one of Strike, there you go. And it was pretty scary. But it wasn't reminding myself who God is. (laughs) And it meant when there was a bump in the house later on in the evening, I jumped. (laughs) You see, the desire for us to look elsewhere, that was looking for rest. That wasn't the place to do it. The desire in us to look elsewhere is pretty much hot-wired in from the garden. Back to Adam and Eve. God isn't good enough. What God has given us isn't good enough. We're going to eat the apple from the tree that will give us knowledge of good and evil. And actually, the person who was good, God who was good, (laughs) was the one that they needed to look to. But they made a choice. And we are inheritors of that choice. Aren't we? So we look to anything else to satisfy our desires than coming to the one who can fully satisfy. Jesus God is good, so I don't have to look elsewhere. God is good and his love endures forever. That's what uh, we were singing earlier. And thankfully, his goodness and his love for us are not dependent on whether we have just checked the mobile or watched the latest catch-up. Or gone off at a tangent that isn't about him. Because it's not about us. God's love is not dependent on us. Thank God for that. God's goodness is, in fact, a reality. It's the truth. I want to ask you a question. Where are the times in your life where you've come into that place of knowing God's goodness above and beyond everything else. I'm asking you that question rather than the question of oh, what are the things you're desiring other than God? Because you're all very aware well very well aware of those. I'm sure But the point of this sermon series is to take us beyond what we do into who God is. And then as our hearts are changed, then we start to act in different ways. So, I'll repeat that question, because it was a very long question. Where are the times in your life where you've come into that place of knowing God's goodness above and beyond everything? Let's take a moment to reflect on that. Where are the times in your life where you've come into that place of knowing God's goodness above and beyond everything? Well, this psalm uh, represents, this Psalm 42 represents one of those times for me. Uh, I absolutely love mountains. And those of you who saw me last Sunday on my Returned from holiday, you could see that I'd been really refreshed and enjoyed a huge amount of activity uh, in the mountains, and I absolutely love the activity of them, the beauty of them, and they point me to God. Um, but they're also one of those areas where I, I go to uh, because they're a place of refreshment for me. But I've had to learn that it's not just about mountains. I've had to learn that mountains point me to God, but it's God I need to go to. And uh, I learned that uh, while I was in uh, Hong Kong uh, working for uh, M a few years back. And I learned it with this psalm that mountains aren't everything. See, when I uh, went to Hong Kong, uh, I went from Aberdeen store in uh, the north of Scotland. I went from uh, a temperature of 12 degrees to a temperature of uh, about 80 degrees and uh, 100% humidity. It was a very different place. And when I went to Hong Kong, people say, "Oh, it's fantastic!" And the views in Hong Kong are absolutely amazing. And uh, I. Sat there looking at the views. I was on the 26th floor of an apartment um, on a hill. Um, I was sharing with somebody I didn't know very well. Um, and I was looking out over the view. And I was thought, but where are the mountains? It's all buildings. Where are the mountains? And I wept. I wept. And I kept reading this psalm, and I kept looking out of the window, and the window in my bedroom was a glass wall all the way to the floor. So with the bed up against it, you felt like you were going to roll out 26 floors and the drop below. I mean, it was, you know, classic, classic Hong Kong. It was amazing. And I looked out of my window and uh, at night, and I could see this person below me doing this. This body below me doing this. I think, what is that? And it was one of the very earliest forms of infinity pools. And it was a swimming pool at the top of an apartment block that was down the hill from me. So they were kind of going like that. And I, was, I said, have I gone complete Oh, I think that's a swimming pool. This was in the 80s, so it gives you an idea of how long ago it was. What changed it for me in Hong Kong was two things. One was the community of Cantonese friends who built up around me. And introduced me to different aspects of Hong Kong life. And actually they did take me out to the outlying islands where there are some great mountains and walks. But in the point that I'm describing at the moment, I didn't know that. And I felt so far away from home. I had no idea what was going on and I kept crying and weeping and saying to God, why have you brought me here? This is not refreshing in any way. And, of course, that took me into a place of if only. If only there were mountains, it would be so much better. What are the if onlys in your life? And I've got other if onlys in my life. I remember in my 30s, I thought, okay, if only I was married, I would then have my own house until a friend challenged me and said, why do you have to wait to get married to get your own house? Ooh. Well, that's the way it happens, isn't it? If only I had this, then that. If only I had a relationship, then that. Well, isn't that putting my life on hold? If you're married, if only your spouse was a bit better. But you know, as well as they do, that they're not God. So, why are you looking to them? And as a single person, why am I trying to look for a relationship before stepping into who God is? Because He's the one that completely satisfies. Completely satisfies. What's your if only? If only I had the best new technical gadget, food, entertainment, new pair of shoes, a holiday. What's your if only? My soul is downcast within me. What does the psalmist do? What does the psalmist do? He says, Therefore I will remember you. The psalmist didn't go to the latest box set. The psalmist reminded himself of God's goodness. And something very profound happened to the psalmist at that point. And here it is. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All of your waves and breakers have swept over me. I imagine that that was the Holy Spirit coming to the psalmist at that point. To reveal the extent of God's goodness. To give the psalmist something more to look to. What's our something more this morning? The taste and see that God is good. That moment in our lives. I'm going to take you back to that verse from John chapter 6, verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. There's an invitation to us this morning to eat and drink of God to receive deeply into our lives that God is good. I'm going to ask the worship band to come up. And as we worship God in this first song, our first response song, I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and meet us. As I've been speaking, you've become aware of desires in your life, things that haven't worked out, things that are incredibly difficult. And those are real. There's a reality to that. The psalmist does say, I am downcast. There is a reality to those things going on in our lives. So we need to bring those to God. We need to acknowledge those before God. So I want us to do that, to to bring those things to God. And as we worship, I'm going to introduce this with a prayer of asking the Holy Spirit to give us that deep calls to deep encounter with God. Where we become aware of God's goodness. And it is like tasting fresh bread. And it is like drinking clear water. Those are the images that I want you to take out into your week. But for this morning, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to come deep within us, deep calls to deep. So would you stand? So first of all, let's give those things to God that we're aware of. Uh, The difficult things in our lives, the desires in our lives that aren't of God, and things that just make us feel downcast. Let's lay those down at the foot of the cross. Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I pray that as we move into this time of response, I pray for the people gathered here. I pray for deep calling to deep, that you will Reveal your goodness to us. I pray that there's something that I've said in the last few minutes that's really resonated with our hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take your good, God's goodness and bring it deep into our hearts. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That is the invitation for this morning. Let's worship God.